0: Welcome to another episode of Once Upon East 112. My name Aaron Avra and with me as always Donatus Carroll. Donatus, how are we doing this fine evening?
1: Aaron, man, I'm doing great. I uh I apologize to the listeners for taking a couple weeks off. That is strictly on me. Had some things at home that I had to take care of. So, I appreciate you guys bearing with us as we are uh, a couple weeks behind, but uh I'm excited, ready to talk some sports, ready to talk about the Falcons and their uh their big win Sunday. Our new coach, my boy Raheem Morris, making me look good right now. So, all things considered, man, I'm doing great, brother. How are you, man? How you feeling?
0: Hey, I'm I'm doing good as a person. Uh we'll also catch up on the Browns and how we got shellacked by the Steelers. <laughs> um but uh all in all, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, friends out there, listeners, we can call you friends. Friends, we can call um, you friends. <laughs> we can call you friends. We have we have a lot of catching up to do. We are going to cover uh some of the big events that have happened the last two weeks. Oh, wait a minute! We even said we were going to do our our mid year predictions. So here's what we'll do. I forgot about that. And because we we took the top the, the mid year coach of the year. uh mm-hmm. Offensive and defensive rookies and the MVPs. So here's what we'll do: we're going to spend some time. I didn't run this part by Donatus. We're going to spend, <laughs> spend some time talking about our Browns and Falcons. Then we'll give our mid-season projections. And then Donatus proposed this um, this very deep question to me yesterday, and had us thinking: Is Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who was just benched for Tua Tagovailoa, Is Ryan Fitzpatrick a Hall of Famer? So we are not put, I know, buckle in, buckle in. He's no more than, he, he is your, your backup placeholder. But as that question came across and, and, and my immediate answer I gave Don just, we started sitting back and thinking, we were like, we may, we may be able to make a case for Ryan Fitzpatrick to get that golden jacket at the end of his Career whenever he eventually retires. Um, so if you want to hold in for that, uh, if you have no interest in all the other topics, go ahead and fast forward to the end and hear our our talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and why he may or may not receive that prestigious gold jacket at the end of his career. Um, dun, 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 I don't dun, dun, dun. dun dun dun. The answer <laughs> might surprise you. Um, <laughs> Alright, so Beautiful. Brown. Browns and Falcons Um, one team has had a major change and in fact has had the owner say that they are not committed to their quarterback let me try that again the owner, I'm not going to delete that so that's just a blooper that's going to stay in the owner has said they are not committed to their quarterback in the future they'll just have to see what happens is the hometown Atlanta Falcons and if you are into Atlanta sports, you could probably guess um, some bad things have happened in Atlanta as of late (laughs) sports-wise. And I think it all relates back to this team and these moves that we're going to talk about. But Donatis, your boy, Dan Quinn, RIP, was finally fired by the Falcons. I actually came across my time hop last week, or or like two days ago, um, where it said that all right, we're a few days away. Apparently, there was a big trade that happened from Atlanta last year. I already forgot what that trade was, but the thing said, and with that trade, it's only a matter of time until Dan Quinn gets fired. And he lasted a whole nother year. Um, <laughs> so, John's first, let's let's talk about your feelings about that firing and uh, and this interim coach that's in here. Yeah, I
1: uh I'm trying to think of the trade that they made last year that would uh. That would have caused people to say that. I guess it's it's been so bad for Falcons fans that we've already that be out of our out of our minds. There's no telling what happened, but I'm sure there's a reason that we felt that way. Well um obviously
0: it wasn't that big of a trade if we can't remember. At the time it had to have been big.
1: But I guess that's the person
0: true. hasn't done anything since. So that's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. That's that's really interesting. There's no telling. Um yeah, so finally took um Dan Quinn finally got fired, man. And I think the last time that we talked, I told you um that it was just that it was just time. You know, we had just lost to I don't remember who we had lost to.
0: The Panthers? Did we talk about the Panthers?
1: I don't remember. No, it was the uh it was it was the
0: one of the 80 teams before the Panthers. But no, it was it was whoever was before the Panthers.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I told you, man, that it was just it was just time that it was that it had been too long that they needed to fire Dan Quinn, they needed to to let go of Dirk Cutter. Um, that it was just time, and and I think we lost one more game, and then they fired him. Yeah, that must have been when we lost to the Panthers. So whoever we lost to before that, then they. Then they finally fired him after the Panthers. Um, So, you know, I think, I don't know, I don't have too much to say about it because I think it was just kind of expected. Um, I saw somewhere where it was the first time in however long that Arthur Blank, or maybe the first time ever that Arthur Blank had fired a coach midseason. And to me, I don't know, it was kind of like, it was kind of hopeful, but also kind of like, what took you this long? Um, I was talking to one of my friends, and he had made the comment that, um, cause, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but Arthur Blank also owns, um, the Atlanta United, who, um, side note, have won, uh, an MLS championship or whatever. Um, <laughs> but in their first year, they, they had hired, um, I don't know, I don't follow soccer like in America super closely. i don't follow soccer closely anyway, so I may, I may get this messed up. But when they first started the Atlanta United franchise, they hired some well-known guy from um, a big European club um, who had been pretty successful. And within, like, I feel like either the season or the first year, like, the guy didn't win a lot of games, and they cut the guy. They fired him um, because he wasn't winning. And so it's kind of surprising to me that, like, Arthur Blank was so quick to pull the trigger – on a soccer coach who, you know, had been successful in the past, um, and then because he wasn't winning, he was quick to fire the he was quick to fire him, but it took him, you know, really honestly thinking that Dan Quinn probably should have been fired at least. Definitely like last year, if not possibly like the year before that. Um so it was I don't it, I I guess I'm kinda I'm glad that Arthur Blake kinda got hired enough but it was also like, I'm kind of worried because the next time that we hire a coach, um, if he's not, if he's not producing to the level that, the, that we, that we deserve or that we expect, I don't want this to become one of those things where Arthur Blank kind of becomes known as that co, as that owner who like consistently either hires the wrong people or like won't allow, won't Wait still against like really bad before he lets go of people. Um, so yeah, I'm glad. I was kind of shocked that he let go of Thomas Dimitrov mid season too, because I told you, um, that Dan Quinn needed to be fired like immediately, but that, uh, that, uh, Thomas Dimitrov could probably be wait, could probably could wait till the end of the season to let him go. Um, so that kind of surprised me that he let Thomas Dimitrov go too. Um, but I, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, I'm excited to see what the future of the Atlanta Falcons looks like. Um, and then like we talked about, I've been a big Raheem Morris fan. Um, I don't think that he's the answer to the Atlanta Falcons, um, long term. And that's just because I don't, I don't really trust coaches who, um, who come in are successful and then like they, automatic, they automatically get the job. Like the people don't hire anybody else. Uh, kinda like it, like, kind of like it. I know this is a sore subject for you, but kind of like Freddie kitchens with the Browns. I don't. <laughs> I don't think that the Browns hired anybody else, right? With, or like interviewed anybody else when they were looking at Freddie kitchens.
0: Um, oh, no, we did. The we, we we turned okay. down Stefanski for kitchens. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And well, and then and look at the Browns now. They're four and two and agreement. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they they lost to the. Look at us now. But, yeah, but I mean, look at the Browns now. There's no telling... You know, had they hired Stefanski last year, he he might have struggled, sure. But like, I mean, granted, you guys are four and two now, but there's no telling like how how much better you guys would look now in year two of Kevin Stefanski. Um, you know, but anyways, so that that that's a side note. So I I I like Roehi Morris. I think that this is a good audition for him to maybe hopefully get his name into the uh the possibility of other head coaching vacancies in the future. Um, but I don't think he's the long-term answer to the, to the Atlanta Falcons. And he's a defensive guy. I think, I think it's time that we go with an offensive guy. Um, the past two coaches that we've hired, Dan Quinn and Mike Smith have both been defensive guys. Um, and I think with the, today's NFL, it's just time for the, uh, for the Falcons to hire an offensive guy. Um, I've made it known that right now my, my, my favorite for head coach is Eric Bieniemy. We'll see if that really happens or not. Um, but so yeah, I mean, I guess, then the only other thing that kind of surprised me, and you alluded to it, was the fact that he was non-committal on Matt Ryan. And listen, I'm not a Matt Ryan defender. Um, I've been very hard on Matt Ryan, but I think like over the past couple of weeks, I've got, kind of gotten to thinking about it, and this is kind of where I stand currently with the Atlanta Falcons um, quarterback quarterback uh, situation is if we can't get Trevor Lawrence then we need to just keep Matt Ryan because like no other coach that no other quarterback that's coming out in the draft um would be worth like trading Matt Ryan for or releasing him or whatever um and I don't think like you know like Justin Fields I think will be ready to play like mid season uh Trey Lance the guy out of North Dakota state I don't know if you would sit him for a year or whatever um, you know, Sam Ellinger out of Texas, um, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State, some of these other guys, like they would have to sit for a year uh, before they're ready to play. So I don't know if you know, you keep Ryan and then let that let that kid come in and play or whatever, but um Matt Ryan, I don't know how much of if you've heard this or if we've even talked about it, but you know, there's there was a rumor going around that the that the Colts should trade for Matt Ryan because the Colts with Matt Ryan would be, you know, Super Bowl contenders. And I think like Matt Ryan on the majority of other teams, he either makes them better or he doesn't make them worse. Like I think they stay the same. <laughs> um, outside of, you know, obviously teams like the Chiefs, um, you know, maybe, maybe the Ravens, maybe, you know, some of those top tier teams with top tier quarterbacks, Matt Ryan on that team would, would make them worse. But for the most part, like, Matt Ryan is a good enough quarterback to where I think if you were to play some of the majority of NFL teams, he would either make them a little bit better or he would not make them worse. Um, and so that being the case, I think the Atlanta Falcons would be better served to just keep Matt Ryan right now, unless we're going to get Trevor Lawrence, which, I mean, you know, the way that we beat the Vikings, granted the Vikings are not that good, but like you said, um, it kind of looks like we're more likely to go 6-10 and 10 than 3-13. Than and 13. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know yet. Um, so, I think those are kind of my thoughts um, on the Falcons. I'm I'm glad that it, it that they finally pulled the trigger on Dan Quinn. I'm glad that they that they pulled the trigger on Thomas Dimitrov too. Went ahead and just you know cut them both. Um, I'm interested to see if Dan Quinn will get another opportunity. I don't. I I honestly don't think he'll get another opportunity to be a head coach. But I think like. I think he'll be, he'll be a defensive coordinator on the team somewhere next year. So interested to see what that ends up looking like. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my thoughts on, on the Falcons and, um, in the firing of Dan Quinn.
0: So. All right. Let me break it to you. So I've been waiting for my, my time to, to break you some bad news. I've seen this story before. Easy. I've seen easy. this story before. And here's exactly what's going to happen the Falcons are going to win the next three games. You're going to beat the Lions, you're going to beat the Panthers, you're going to beat the Broncos. That's going to make you four and five. That's going to make you, um, now all of a sudden, look like contenders. It's alright, because you're not. Because then you're going to lose to the Saints the next week. But, (laughs) Raheem (laughs) Morris is going to win enough games that it's going to um, um, I don't know much about Raheem Morris at all. Um, He may be the next great head coach. But, Based on what you're telling me, this is not the guy you want. Uh, it's not the guy that I know one of my friends Eric wants. Um, I don't know if it's the guy that any of the Falcons fans want, but he is going to do so well, and by so well, I mean win six of his um, however many games. He's going to have a winning record, it's like six and five. Um, that that zero and four or that zero and five start to all of suddenly ending six and ten with this interim head coach. Um, it's gonna be just like last year. Because I, I'm not convinced that Arthur Blank he seems with football that if he sees an uptick he wants to stay with whatever's hot. And if you remember at the end of the year last year, y'all really stepped it up from one and seven when they fight when they brought on this new defense coordinator or whatever, whatever the big move happened last year. Then all of a sudden they oh, played sure. inspired football. Um, and um, and they went from one and seven to seven and nine, and that saved Dan Quinn's job. Yeah, I'll well, I remember. Yep, and this time they got rid of Dan Quinn early, so he couldn't save his own job. But now Arthur Blank is going to be fooled by uh, Raheem Morris stepping in and going six and five, which isn't great, but it's way better than zero and five. Um, and it's going to cause it's going to cause Arthur Blank to say, "Wow." You need to be our head coach instead of changing it up and everyone playing inspired, and then next year we have the same issue again. Um, I've seen it. You, you mentioned it. Freddie Kitchens, though he wasn't the interim head coach, was the OC, was the interim OC that maybe, question mark, got the offense moving, um, and it was enough for um, – for our ownership and GM to say, this is our dude. And we saw what that happened. Um, So I'm telling you right now, the season's going to end. Raheem Morris is going to be hired as your new head coach. Um, And then there's going to be, it's either going to end up being surprisingly great or the inspired football is going to end. You'll have a mid first round draft pick. You'll pick somebody none of y'all probably want. And, And then, uh, the same thing will happen again. Ironically, firing Dan Quinn not only caused y'all to win, but the Braves to miss out on the World Series. So, how? What a crazy world Atlanta is! Because I'm pretty sure that firing had to do it. They had to balance out the universe somewhere. And so, by firing Dan, way too much. You way too much. By firing Dan Quinn, the universe said, "Well." That team can't be the worst team in Atlanta now. And the Braves aren't the worst team in Atlanta. But uh the the, the new um disappointing mode had to go somewhere so the Braves had to blow the three to one lead so now, you know, Atlanta fans can't make fun of Cleveland or Golden State anymore for losing a three one lead because uh sure. you know, your your Atlanta Braves just did it. Um sure. <laughs> But that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm just going to. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all are going to go. Y'all are going to win the next three games for the four-game win streak. Uh, be four and five. Have everyone optimistic. Have a better record than the entire NFC East. And then it's going to. Um,
1: <laughs> y'all, y'all have a
0: tough end of the schedule, and so um, it, it's going to result in y'all's head coach not being Eric the, the enemy, but being um, being Raheem Morris. No. I did hear on a podcast recently, they were talking about the most appealing job that Eric enemy should go for. Uh, and they said Atlanta Falcons was the, was the most appealing job. They said the reason the Texans were not is because their front office and the podcast is Mina Khan's podcast. Let me give credit where it's at. Um, <laughs> I'm quoting it on here is that, and they brought a really good point. Cause my thought was that Sean Watson's in, in Houston. Um, they talk about, well, they talked about the dysfunction. Of of the front office, how dysfunctional it is that if he goes in and bombs out, that it's going to be hard to bounce back his career. Whereas the front office in Atlanta, for the most part, has at least been stable, and Arthur Blank stands by his coaches uh, almost in this case to a fault with Dan Quinn. But yeah. uh, his career won't be over; <laughs> his head coaching career won't potentially be over after a season or two. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was good news, but. Uh the bad news is he's not gonna be off head coach next year. It's gonna be Raheem Morris because he's gonna go six and five and Arthur Blank is gonna say this is our guy. So Period. I, Done.
1: I don't I don't completely disagree with you. I, the only fault that I have with your uh your criticism, your uh theory, <laughs> if you wanna you know theories is a what way saying it. <laughs> uh criticism. I don't know about facts. Um is I think I would agree with you if we had kept our general manager. Um, but the fact that we fired our general manager as well mm-hmm. kind of gives me hope. Now, look, there's a couple of different ways that you could do this. If you end up being right, then what you're saying is going to happen is Raheem Morris, in, um, in essence, is going to pick the next general manager. He's going to kind of dictate who the general manager is. Kind of like what happened with the Jets and, and Adam Gase and this the who, I don't even know his name the guy that's in New York you know like they let's all just be honest Adam Gase picked the general manager that's in New York he got the other guy fired and he got this dude hired and do we see how well that's going now um, so that's one way to do it or hopefully the better way to do it and hopefully in this situation you would be wrong and um. Arthur Blank says, Raheem Morris, thank you for your time. Uh, I I respect you enough to give you an interview, but we're going to hire a new general manager, and if they decide to interview, then, you know, we're going to do that. But thank you for your service. Uh, I hope that we can keep you, but if not, you know, I'll give you a good uh, reference, and, uh, you know, so long, see you later. That's kind of what I hope happens. Um but outside of that, that that's, a, that's, a, that's the only thing that I, that I find wrong with uh, what you claim to be fact. Um, well, let me also,
0: let me, let me build my bricks up a little more. <laughs> what's going to happen, what's going to happen, is, is the, um, the Browns end up having a, a successful full season. Uh, we hired Stefanski before we hired our GM. Um, and they have had nothing but success. Um, so you could go. The Browns are, of course, we hired a bunch of Ivy League guys who look at numbers. Um, well, you're who going also to did, you also did. Uh, we're, we're, no, no, I'm all about it. I'm all about no, it. I know, but hey, they hired you out. Yeah. But they hired. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they hired Stefanski, um, and then followed it up with another analytical guy with hiring Barry. And so that we did go coach than GM. We got our guy yeah, first yeah. and then we bounced between like four different analytical GMs uh, before we settled on and were able to uh, agree with Andrew Barry. So they could go that route if they think they can have the same amount of success, you know, given the Browns don't bottom out this year and we end up going like <laughs> six and ten. Um, uh, if we end up having a winning record to make the playoffs, all suddenly that little that it, does, it doesn't seemingly look as important to have a GM before a coach. Um, right.
1: What is important
0: is that they are on the same page, uh, which I think is what a lot of people overlook uh, the Jets. Um, and so <laughs> Andrew Barry and Stefanski are very much on the same page. And so every move that's made um, is not one of those what are you doing moves, um, where, the GM, where the coach is looking at the GM like, what am I supposed to do with this? Okay. Um so I I do crazy. think a lot of that happened? Okay.
1: I was just gonna transition I, to the Browns, but
0: um I do think a lot of that happened though with Hugh Jackson. Uh Hugh Jackson is not an, and this would be our transition to the Browns is not a analytical guy. Uh, obviously um awful for the Browns head coach. Uh we had an analytical GM before we brought in Dorsey uh with Hugh Jackson and, and it just no oh, it was a, it was a it was terrible. Um but on to my Browns. Uh I need I need to save well I guess we will save this recording because I need this for when it happens at the end of the year, just like I predicted exactly when Dan Quinn would be fired. Um y'all didn't have the record I said you would have. I said y'all at least be two and three or one and four. You didn't even have a win when he got fired. Um but it was week five, so I'll take that. Dude, ESPN, come at me. <laughs>
1: you also – we. I guess we'll talk about this with Fitzpatrick. Didn't you also call pretty exact the Tua Tagovailoa taking over thing?
0: I think I did. I need to go back and look at or, – or, or see if I can find that, because I want to say I said the bye week. Um, I did not call that they would be three and three. I did not call that – I said oh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did think yeah. that Fitzpatrick would, would would do like he did in Tampa and start out strong. I didn't think he would continue to be strong. Right, um, right. But I do think I called this exact week is when they would bring in Tua. I'm actually kind of yeah. surprised that they're bringing in Tua because Fitzpatrick has been so successful and the, and the Dolphins have been good. I'm like, why rush it? Y'all have been playing, like, actually great football. The three losses they had was week one against the Patriots by 10 points, week two against the Bills by three, and then week four against the Seahawks by a touchdown, uh, or eight points. So, I mean, they've been playing really good football. Uh, so I was kind of stunned that they're going to go ahead and, and while there's three and three, and could really vie for a potential playoff spot, um, I mean, the rest of their schedule is not that hard. Um I mean, let Tua sit and learn as much as possible while you got this, Patrick. And then, you know, once his magic runs out, then start to look. But, I mean, the magic had not run out yet. Um, right. But I do, I do believe this is about when. I thought he would make it to the bye week. That would give them six games of Tua being able to learn. And he would come out against the Rams. I need to go see if, 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 if I did say that in that podcast. Because then that would have me with the Dan Quinn firing. When, when Tua would kind of take over, I'm on fire. ESPN, call me right now. Hit Um,
1: me up. Hit your boy up. I know.
0: I have a a whole other full-time job, but I am cranking out these predictions like nobody's business. (laughs) Hit your boy (laughs) up. But to the Browns, the Browns over the past two weeks, um, one and one. uh, We beat the Colts, which I was super stoked about. Um, People talked about them having one of the best defenses in the league. Um, We ended up putting up 32 on them uh passed more on them than we ran the defense looked a lot better um and then last week i was so excited for last week as the steelers i had my Pittsburgh started shirt ready to go wearing it um mm-hmm. expecting us to wreak havoc on the steelers and they came in for that that grudge match against us after our terrible last week last season and just i mean <laughs> stomped us Um, the biggest problem was Baker Mayfield's, he says it didn't affect him, I don't believe it, he's been hurt, his chest or ribs or whatever had been hurt, uh, since the Colts game, he got hit weird at the end of the Colts game, uh, was hurt, came in, um, we, we played with the Steelers, like our first drive, he threw a pick six, um, And in the next drive, we got nothing going. Our offense couldn't get going. Um, Our offensive line, which has been great all season, couldn't protect Baker for anything. Um, I mean, the pass rush was just demolishing us. I really miss Nick Chubb. I like Kareem Hunt. I'm starting to believe that um, as great as Kareem Hunt is, um, Nick Chubb is way better. Um, And and I think the the wonderfulness of, of Kareem Hunt with our offense, is you have to balance between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Like once you get used to Nick Chubb running downhill at you and maybe giving a juke here or there but running straight through you, um, and then you have to change up the way you play defense with the way that Kareem Hunt runs. And He's very shifty. He's not a run-you-over back. Uh, I think they compliment each other very well, and I don't think our run game could get going. A, the offensive line struggled so hard last week. But Cream Hunt couldn't get going. Baker Mayfield couldn't get going. For all intents and purposes, we gave up 38 points. Um, really, our defense really didn't give up. Um, ah, I guess we did. Um, our, our defense was not as bad as they've been before. Um, I know we gave up 38 points. Really, the defense gave up 31 points because one was a pick six. But in the first half, when we still believe to potentially be in it, even though it was 24-7 to going into halftime, we our defense had only given up 17 points to a, a pretty good Steelers offense. Um, I was completely wrong about the Steelers this offseason. I said they would only win six games. They would be last in our division. Uh, they're at five wins now, so unless they lose the rest of their games, they're going to go ahead and bypass <laughs> my prediction. <laughs> and they're currently in first place in the division. <laughs> um, ben, Roslis, ben Roslisberger didn't look good but a uh, healthy James Conner looked good um, Chase Claypool looked good He he's they're using him to run they're using him to catch um, with, with Deontay Johnson or Deontay Washington whatever his name is uh, who got hurt uh, Hannibal has a fantasy I don't remember his name they have another guy with the last name Washington as well but um, but Chase Claypool looked really good Um. Apparently, Mason Rudolph threw a pass. I must have like closed my eyes during that part. But um. But yeah, no, it it, it was just an ugly game altogether. Uh, Baker put it really well in an interview this week. Whenever he said that four and two is is currently feeling a lot like zero and six. Like Brown's Twitter blew up in, in, in animosity and anger about what was happening. Uh, and and meanwhile, we're sitting over here four and two, but. But uh, because we got blown out by the Steelers and we got blown out by the Ravens, two of our division rivals, uh, Brown's Twitter, is not having it and calling for everyone's jobs because that's just what Brown's Twitter does. Uh, that's what they're used to. Uh, calling for Case Keenum to be the starter, which he came in in the fourth quarter, mainly because Baker was hurt, but Case Keenum couldn't get anything going either. Uh, and I was glad. I mean, I was hoping that Case Keenum – would be able to bring some life and see if we could make a fourth quarter comeback. But at the same point, I was like, "But if Case Keenum does that, then it solidifies everyone, everyone's thoughts and feelings towards Baker." When Baker, would, I mean, you you look at everything. You look at some of the, some other quarterbacks who, who are highly respected now in their first three years. Um, they have comparable statistics. Uh, like someone put up his statistics versus Roethlisberger's versus Drew Brees's. And they all have comparable statistics in their first three years. The difference is Baker had like 42 head coaches. Um, <laughs> and so I, I still think Baker's the dude, but, man, he, he was hurt. And you could tell. He says it didn't affect him. It absolutely affected him because he played terrible the entire game. Yeah. Um, and he got beat up the entire game because they could not protect him. Um, we got the Bengals this week. I'm really hoping that we bounce back. Uh, the, some of the experts have us losing to the Bengals this week. The Bengals gave the Colts a run last week. Uh, I don't think the Colts are as good as I thought they were when we beat them. Once I saw the Bengals went up 21 nothing on them, I was like, oh, y'all yeah. aren't good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they didn't look that impressive against us. They still put up 20-something against us, but they didn't look as impressive as I thought they would be as another 3-1 team. Um, and then the Bengals – aren't as bad as they were last year, but they aren't good by any means. And they were, right. it looked like they were going to run away with it for a second. And I don't know what happened. I guess they became the Bengals again. Um, <laughs> but hopefully that'll, hopefully that'll become a win. We can go five and two. Um, uh, apparently we have like the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. Yeah. Um, like we got the Bengals, the Raiders, who knows what's going to happen there. The Texans, the Eagles, the Jags, then we got the Titans, the Ravens, and then we uh, Giants and Jets back to back. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can bounce back from this and be alright. But we'll see, we'll see. We're, if people are going to keep down Baker, we'll see what happens. I just need us to not get throttled by all of our. Good opponents because two of our top (laughs) opponents we played have absolutely smashed us, which makes me feel like we're posers and not real like, not real contenders. You know, like we can we can beat up on the Bengals, the Colts, the 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 Cowboys, Washington, but when you play two of the top teams in the AFC and they win thirty eight to six and thirty eight to seven. It's hard to feel like your team is actually a contender. Um, so we'll see, man. I, I hope it. I know I was calling for them to be thirteen and three uh, uh, two weeks ago. I'm, I don't know about thirteen and three anymore. At least ten and six, maybe eleven and five. Um, I just want a winning season in the playoffs. Really, in all honesty, um, we'll see, man. We'll see. We got the Bengals. I'm ready for that game. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for Nick Chubb to be back. (laughs) We need a new safety. Anderson may maybe the worst safety in the NFL. Something, something. Yeah,
1: um, you know, I don't. I think you look at the remain your remaining schedule. The Titans, Ravens, and Steelers are really like the only games that I think you know you guys will not be favored to win in. Um, those games. But that doesn't mean that you guys are going to lose to them. That just means you won't be favored to win. And you've got both the Ravens and Steelers at home um, for what that counts. Uh, the Titans, you have to go to Tennessee. Um, that's going to be a tough game. But that's the only – that's really the only game that I think would be, like, a definite loss, only because you have to go to Tennessee. But playing Pittsburgh at home and playing uh, Baltimore at home, I think you guys could win those games. Um If you lose to the Giants or the Jets, you probably just need to move the franchise from Cleveland to (laughs) somewhere else. Um, which the Giants, the Giants every once in a while will do something. Um, but the Jets are, I mean, the Jets are probably going to be like 0-15 going to that game with you guys. So, um, yeah, I think, I don't know, man. So because I've seen this a lot and I've seen a lot of people saying this um sorry over the uh over the past couple of, of weeks and it's the fact that they're calling for for Baker Mayfield where do you fall in this um this calling for Baker Mayfield like I don't I think I was watching the maybe it was the Bills and the Chiefs uh And they were showing, like, you know the records of all the people from the class of 2018, and um Baker Mayfield, I think, is 16 and 19, Josh Allen, maybe, like, I don't know, 19 and 11, don't quote me on all of these, and, uh, and then, obviously, like, Lamar Jackson has, I think, maybe, like, six losses or something, he's, like, 26 <laughs> or something. So I think, I mean, you know, it would be interesting. We don't have to do this right now, but maybe later on at the end of the season, probably we could go back and redraft the uh, 2018 draft class. But, um, you know, Josh Allen, Josh Allen to me right now is looking like he might be the best quarterback from that class. Uh, Lamar Jackson is probably the most talented and the most dominant, but he doesn't show up in the playoffs. Um, and I, think Josh Allen has at least one playoff when he might not have one either. Um, but you know, like Lamar Jackson just doesn't show up in the big games, which is the only problem that I have against him. So how, how close are you to calling for Baker Mayfield? Um, cause the rest of your roster, man, they're, they're kind of, they're ready to go. They're kind of, they're, they're ready to win. You've got two top 10 running backs. Um, Landry's been hurt, so I don't feel like you can really. Blame his struggles this season on him. He's, he's had a hip injury. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's played the past couple of weeks with a broken rib. Um, you know, OBJ has kind of struggled a little bit, but I said he's still a top 10, um, wide receiver. So I guess I, I say all that to say where, where do you fall in this whole calling for Baker Mayfield? Are you, are you close to calling for Baker Mayfield? Do you think it's completely, um, you know, there's no, there's no merit to it. Where, where do you fall?
0: <sighs> Everyone in sports media seems to be calling for Baker Mayfield uh, yeah. right now, but I don't know. I, I really want to see, and I know we're in year three with him. I actually still, out of all those quarterbacks, taken in eighteen. I think I would still even take Baker because I don't think Josh Allen, I think the only one out of that class that could have, that could potentially weather the storm that Baker Mayfield has gone through with the Browns would be Baker Mayfield. Like he's the only one with that mentality that I think could take on that, that dysfunction of four separate head coaches, including the interims. Um, and could um and could still have some form of success. Um I think we would have already ruined Josh Allen's career. Lamar Jackson would have never developed as a passer with the Browns. Um, Sam Darnold, we've seen what he's done with dysfunction. And Josh yeah. Rosen isn't even a starter anymore. Um and so I think out of all those, the only one that that would have potentially had a chance for survival is baker and and I'm not ready to call for him to be done yet like if if anything for me i know people, I know this is not the way things work in a performance based business uh especially one that doles out millions of dollars, but I still would give Baker two years this right. year as reading it is almost his rookie year, yeah, and then um and then next year being what would be his second year in the system. Um, because even his rookie year, he had a head coach for a handful of games before they were fired when he became the starter. Like uh, He became oh, yeah. the starter, and then Hugh Jackson got fired, so Greg Williams took over um, with Freddie Kitchens as play caller. He finished that year with them, and then his second year in the league, he's already on his third head coach with Freddie Kitchens. We know how Freddie Kitchens went. His whole second season um, was not beneficial to his growth as a quarterback. And so now here he is in the third year with his fourth head coach and his, like, third or fourth offensive system um, with no offseason this time. I know people critique his, like, ability to read a defense. Um, I think there's just a lot going on. Um, So this year I'm down with the struggle and the growth. Um, I know he's in year three, which is supposed to be a big like make it break it contact, contract potential year uh, moving forward. But I think it's really unfair to to judge him based off of. And I know once again it, it's 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 tough because it's a performance based business. But within what all he's been through in Cleveland, I don't think we've gotten a full like read on what Baker Mayfield is. I think the best we ever saw was the end of his rookie year, and that was. What I think from what I called with the Falcons before inspired football, having like different yeah. offensive minds there besides Hugh Jackson, and then Freddie really effed him in year two, um,
1: yeah.
0: and so I would give Accurate. him, I would give him through this year and even next year before I make my decision after year four, after make my decision on Baker Mayfield because I think there's a lot of learning still to be done. Um, our defense is atrocious, so like our defense can't stay on the field because teams are scoring on us. Um, Baker Mayfield has made great strides, and then this one massive hiccup against the Steelers, and everyone has who had who has started to get back on the Baker train because he's made growth falls off because we play one of the top defenses in the league, and he gets throttled, and our offensive line can't protect him, uh, and he was hurt, and he had a ribs and chest injury, whatever and now everybody's like, all right, we're, we're, we're done with Baker. Baker's over. Um, and now people are back on the OBJ needs to be traded to a legitimate team train again, all because we, we went from our four-game win streak to getting throttled by the Steelers. I, I, I give Baker through next season before I, I will give my final judgment on him. Uh, everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I believe in Baker Mayfield. I just think it's I, – I, it, I find it hard to say he's not it when he's had four different head coaches. Just like it's hard for me to say Sam Darnold, isn't it, when he's had Adam Gase as his head coach for the past three years, or however long Gase has been. I think he's been at three years. For the past three years, and we've seen how terrible Gase is. Um, Rosen, I was never a fan of Rosen, so whatever.
1: But, um,
0: (laughs) but yeah, so (laughs) I I, I give Baker through this season – into next season, unless he takes, unless we go from the Steeler game, and there's a giant drop off and a huge regression, and we end with a losing record again, uh, I I I think he should get all the way through at least next season, going into year five before the Browns say we can't support this anymore. Because our record is not going to be bad enough this year for us to even think about choosing one of the top picks. And I think it's absurd to even think right, about trading right. for Matt Ryan. Uh, People threw that out there on Twitter, and I think that's an absurd thought. No, I I don't want Matt Ryan. No, I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, We have the perfect backup for for Baker Mayfield. He knows the system, and he can step in and play. Um, But I I, I think we should all reserve judgment until the end of next – I know it's a far way away. I know it's a performance-based business, but looking at it from a growth standpoint – I think by the end of next season, once he's had two full years with this head coach who knows what he's doing in a system that is proven to work, um if he's still not growing, then I would be okay saying, "All right, maybe this isn't it. Maybe we need to move on." Um but I'm not going to give up on him until until that point. That's my that's yeah, it, my it,
1: it, It's crazy to me that the Browns are four and two and everybody's like, "All right, <laughs> You know, flip it upside down. Yeah, this isn't working, and I'm like, you have they have a winning record. Like, they're, I yeah. mean, I know it's early in the season, but they're they're two games above 500. Like, in the games that they've won, they've looked dominant in it, and the teams that they've lost to, I, I guess it's just because they've lost to really good teams. But like, even still, the Ravens and the Steelers. The Steelers are a lot of people's dark horses to win the Super Bowl, you know, and, and pe- we know how people feel about the Ravens. Those are two potential Super Bowl contenders that, I mean, the Browns, they're just, they're not quite there yet. And so you would expect them to lose to those teams. Now, do you expect them to get blown out? Probably not, but like, they lost to the, to the two, to two of the best teams in the, in the NFL, so I, I don't, I've been surprised that people have been calling for Baker Mitchell because, yeah, I agree with you, it is performance-based, but he's still, he's led his team to a 4-2 and record, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's almost not like... His what? Oh, I was going to say, his stats are, are not as good as they might have been, you know, in the first six games of last year, or, you know, in the, that seven-game stretch his rookie year. Statistically, he's not looking as good, but, like, it's all about wins, and he's got them. Yeah. He's got them at four and two. You know,
0: and it's like, And, and like I said, the two teams we lost to, two of the best teams in the AFC. But for some reason, those are the two games. Like I know we have to eventually win those games. Sure, but those are two teams with established quarterbacks, established head coaches, yeah. established defenses. Whereas our head coach, though, I think he's going to be an established, really good head coach. Once again, still his first year. Still a, yeah. we, we're still a team with lots of holes. Even though we do have weapons, we're a team with lots of holes that need that need to be fixed before we can be one of those elite teams. Um, I just think it's unfair to... As a four and two team, to say, "All right, he shouldn't be quarterback in this team." When everyone praised him for the past four weeks of all the growth he's had, <laughs> like he's he's, right. he's made clutch plays this season when he's needed to. Yes, he's had bad games. Yes, there's been people have pointed out his regression throughout a game. Like he starts out strong and slowly regresses. Um, I, I think our play call also begins to change. Um, not putting down Stefanski, but like we become less aggressive as we go. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we're more aggressive, I think Baker's more successful. Um, mm-hmm. But when he has to step up and make those Nail and Coffin type plays, he doesn't, or he has so far this season. Um, so I, I, I still think Baker's our quarterback of the future. If come the end of next season he's still looking subpar, uh, then then I'll I'll finally admit that I was wrong. Um, But unless the the Browns move on from him after this season, for whatever reason, I I really do still think Baker's our quarterback of the future. I I think he's finally in a system that can work for him. Uh, I I think we're now at the learning curve of that still. Like He's still learning this offense, and the two teams we got crushed by are two of the best defenses and two of the best teams in the NFL, Um, and so I think it's fair that an offense that's still coming together gets crushed in the beginning of the season by that. Yeah. All right. On to our mid we'll, – we'll do quick mid-season awards, and then we'll hit Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so based on I, – I forgot about that until I just realized that we are at the mid-season – not even mid-season, sorry, a little past the quarter season – um, we said we would do MVP, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Um, let's start with Defensive Rookie of the Year, the one that uh I don't know if I know as much about. Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, Chase Young got hurt, and he looked good after week one, and we gave him the Defensive Rookie of the Year, and then he got hurt, and uh he hadn't done much. After that, I think if I was to actually choose one currently, uh, I'm gonna go with Patrick Queen, linebacker from the Ravens. Um, he has been lighting it up in Baltimore. He's been all over the field, uh, making plays. Um, he has not been all over Sports Center, so to say, but, but I know that he, the Ravens are greatly benefiting from him at, at linebacker. Uh, and so I think he's an underrated, underrated choice for, um, for Defensive Rookie of the Year. What about that's you? Good. Do you have one?
1: Uh, <laughs> let me see. I, I did that one mean, first because that's
0: the one I didn't know as much about.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Patrick Queen's a good one. I, I'll tell you somebody who I've kind of been surprised with, and I think he – I've been surprised with this defense overall, but I think this kid has stepped in and really made a difference. It's Antron with Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, mm. from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He, that secondary has looked a lot better than I think people were expecting to, them to. And that defense across the board has looked a lot better. Um, and they've got a really good young defense, but Antron, Antoine Winfield Jr. stepped in and really made some plays. Um, playing at playing at that safety level for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so um, I think you know if it's not Chase Young, Patrick Quinn is a really good one too. But I'm not going to pick the same one as you.
0: Um, I think Antoine
1: <laughs> Winfield Jr. has a chance to to surprise a lot of people as defensive rookie of the
0: year. All right, I'll let you go first on this one, since uh, so I don't uh steal all your picks. Offensive rookie of the year. Who is it?
1: Offensive rookie of the year. I, I kind of, I go back and forth between, um, Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards Elaire. Um, Clyde Edwards Elaire came out hot that first game, and he's not, he's not, it's not that he's, you know, that he struggled. Um, he just ran for like, I think 160 yards or something like that against the Buffalo Bills. Um, but let's be honest. When it comes to like offensive player of the year or MVP or whatever, they're most likely going to give it to a quarterback. And Jer- Joe Burrow has looked pretty dang good for the uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so I think right now um, my pick has switched from Week One with Clyde Edwards-Elair to I think Joe Burrow is going to end up winning
0: offensive rookie of the year. What are your thoughts? No. No, 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 no. Oh. So, I think we both chose, I think we both chose, oh no, stop playing computer. There we go. Um, I think we both went with, 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 with Edward Hilaire. Um, I'll tell you exactly who it is. Oh. His name. Okay. Justin Herbert. Justin no. Herbert has come out falling. For the Los Angeles Chargers. Their record doesn't show it. They're like one in five. Um, yeah. which I guess the Bengals aren't much better. But he, ha- the, 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 the Chargers, even though they're one in five, have been competitive in just about every game they've played. Um, they have Oh, three, four, oh they're one and four. All three of their losses have been by one score. Um, and that includes the Chiefs. The Panthers, the Buccaneers, and the Saints—all of those wins were by one, uh, or losses were by one point—and those were all games that that Justin Herbert was the quarterback of. Um, he came out and played uh, electric; was great against the Chiefs, and then he kept it up. Uh, they keep they keep pulling the Falcons like for three straight games; they've had big <laughs> leads and lost it. Um which that's more on the defense right now. But but as far as as far as gameplay and they lost Eckler, so now they have a new running back. Um but I think when the when the season is all said and done, Justin Herbert is going to be one heck of a quarterback. I did not expect him to be this good. Um I know he was good two years ago at Oregon. Last year was a disappointing year um for him. And um I think Justin Herbert is fantastic, and he will end up being the offensive rookie of the year. I think the easy choice for the people who make these decisions, I, I do think quarterbacks get the nod most of the time, unless it's a skill position player that absolutely blows up. Uh, like Baker's rookie year, Saquon was so great that he barely got edged out by Saquon. Um, had Saquon's year not been – had been a little less spectacular, it would have been Baker because they loved the quarterback position. Um, I think the easy choice for the professionals is to go for the number one overall pick because he has played so well, but I think Justin Herbert has played just as well, if not better, against currently better competition. Um, I don't think um, Joe Burrow has played this level of competition yet with the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and the Saints, and only lost by a score. Um, so, therefore, Justin Herbert is my Offensive Rookie of the Year.
1: Yeah, um, in full disclosure, full transparency, I completely forgot about Justin Herbert. Bear. Um, so, yeah,
0: I just now looked at his stats, and,
1: uh, yeah, he's, he's gotten – I, I was really glad you Jackson. didn't take him. <laughs> I was
0: glad you didn't take him because I was sitting on Justin Herbert, and I was like, don't do it, don't do it, I don't do it. I
1: completely it. forgot about him. I
0: completely forgot about him, man. Yeah. That's a good pick. A he good, he has more good touchdowns than Burrow. He has more yeah. no touchdowns than Burrow. He has he has five hundred less yards, but Burrow throws like fifty times a game because of the offense. <laughs> um so, so you better have that many you better have that many um that so seventy passing yards. But uh Justin
1: Air Bear. All
0: right. Herbert. Herbert. We'll go to Coach Air Bear. We're we'll gonna coach of the year next. Um mine is gonna sound like a homer, but I think based weird. on, based on our trajectory.
1: Don't be that guy. Based
0: on our trajectory. Uh, what is his first name? Stefanski. <laughs> what is his first name? Kevin, Kevin Stefanski will win the coach of the year The Browns will still go eleven and five, and he and taking a dysfunctional Cleveland Browns team for decades a dysfunctional team, and making them eleven and five in his first year is going to win him Coach of the Year. Yeah, no, you're wrong.
1: Um, it's okay, it's all right. Um, so here's the thing. If the season continues the way that it's, that it is right now, like if the season was to end today, I don't know that Kevin Stefanski would fall in the top five.
0: Oh, no, get out hilarious. of here. Get out yeah. of here.
1: I'll give you, I'll give you five head coaches. One of them that's going to shock you. That is my dark horse. Coach of the Year, and then I'll give you who my Head Coach of the Year is. I'll give you five right now, five coaches in the NFL that are better than Kevin Stefanski, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll, Mike Rabel, um, Andy Reid, and John Harbo. Oh, and I oh, okay, I didn't even give my dark horse. My dark horse one, so six coaches, is Matt Nagy for the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy right now <laughs> Matt Nagy right now <laughs> is a better head coach than Kevin Stefanski. No, oh, get out
0: of here! Hey, first stop,
1: <laughs> <off>, first stop.
0: <laughs> sorry, you didn't interrupt me. You go first, and then I'll, I'll I'll refute. Go ahead.
1: Matt Nagy is my dark horse coach for he, um, head coach for coach of the year. Um. What he has been able to do with the Chicago Bears, who we both had winning three games. They are 5-1. and one. They've almost doubled what we expected. Um, now, some of the games they've gotten lucky in, but, you know, I mean, unfortunately, a win's a win. Um, he's got Nick Foles. Like, he, the thing is, he's winning without a quarterback. Like, Mitchell Trubisky is awful, and Nick Foles is not that good. And somehow the Bears are still five and one. Matt Nagy deserves like a pay raise or a better team or something. Um, so right now I would take Matt Nagy over Kevin Stefanski. Now let me give you my coach of the year, and then you can refute the Kevin Stefanski-Matt Nagy discussion. Um, my coach of the year, if it was to end right now, I'm going back and forth between two of them. Um but I'm going to say Pete Carroll because that's what I said after week one, and that's who I picked preseason to win Coach of the Year. And if it's all broke, you don't fix it. So Pete Carroll is my end-of-the-quarter uh
0: Coach of the Year. Now get
1: at me, about uh, Spansky. So first
0: off, the Pete Carroll selection may be the biggest cop-out that I've ever heard because we know uh, – we know that he's good, and the Seahawks are good it's not called it's also you'll notice coach of the years are never they don't base it off of who's the better coach all around right They go off of who has been the typically the most surprising that season um or who 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 beat the odds more so, and who has sat there and and taken The most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL, and is going to make them go eleven and five. I know who Kevin Stefanski. He will be the coach of the year because he took the 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 extremely dysfunctional Cleveland Browns, made them eleven and five, and went on to lose in the first round of the playoffs. You mark my (laughs) words. He will be He's the coach of the worst. year. He, he
1: will lose in the first round. We, we will lose in
0: the first round, <laughs> but we will be there, joke on it. And, <laughs> but it, it, it is going to be such an admiration that a team that hasn't been there since 2001, 2002, is now there after, the, the, the more, after we cleaned house again, it's going to be Kevin Stefanski.
1: I don't it's going to be like think he's got more of that uh No,
0: absolutely not. He no he, no 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 no, no, no good uh,
1: story to it. There's when no feel good story uh, about that. It's
0: the most team, boring uh, team in the league. Like
1: five and something, four and something <sighs> last year. They were calling for his head. He's got Mitchell Trubisky as his as his quarterback who he didn't want. Yeah. And he somehow led the Chicago Bears. To a twelve and four record and they did not. Blah, Look, we've got a lot of potential good head coaches, though. There's Matt LaFleur from Green Bay, Bruce no. Arias from Tampa Bay. No. Thinking Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury from Arizona.
0: Trash. No, he can't be in the conversation. They're sitting there at three and three. Stefanski can't They're be in the conversation. Two.
1: They've got the same dang record as the Cleveland Browns.
0: Hold on, pause. <laughs> Do they run? Probably yeah. A three and three. No, they're
1: four and two. I mean, they they beat the Cowboys, which doesn't really count for
0: anything. But uh, what conference are they? In? Where are they at? There they are. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, my dog's going crazy in the background. He didn't like you saying that Kevin Stefanski was going to be
0: the coach of the year.
1: That he will be. All right, MVP. Uh, Um,
0: This one's going to be easy. You're going to agree with me here. There's only one person available for this spot, I think. Um, It's the one you've been calling for all season. This is Russell Wilson to lose, right? Yeah. It it has to be, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing absolutely electric right now. I I don't – there's no one, not even – the, like, Lamar Jackson hasn't had as great of a year. In fact, the only reason they're 5-1, and one, I think, is because of their defense. Like, if you go look at yeah. some of his numbers, the offense isn't as hot this year as it has been in the past. Um, and then Mahomes has kind of cooled down a little bit this year, but yeah. my yeah. goodness, um, Russell, Russell Wilson. He is electric, um, and I really don't think there is – anyone else who can compete with him right now for that spot unless he just goes ice cold and
1: disappears. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with you, man. Russell Wilson has been my my MVP since the beginning of the thing. Um, I don't know, but you know, you call Cam, man, and I don't think that I I, I think Cam, if he can stay healthy and COVID doesn't get him again, Cam Newton's going to be able to at least make it to where he should be in the conversation
0: um, for MVP,
1: uh, what he's been able to do for the Patriots. Because MVP, to me, how I kind of look at it is, like, if that person was not on the team, how would it affect, you know, the, the team? And if the Patriots didn't have a quarterback, I don't know what their record is now. I feel like it's three and three, maybe like four and two. I don't know. Let me look. Um If the Patriots didn't have their two and three. Oh wow, never mind. Well, (laughs) there goes my point. Um, But they would be they would be zero and five if they didn't have Cam Newton. But yeah,
0: right now it's Drew Wilson. Um, Well, see, I don't think I don't think the Seahawks. I don't think the Seahawks would be five and zero if they don't have Russ. Because there's a few games where um, where teams were up there with them. Like they had to 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 fight off the Cowboys. uh, to stay alive, and, and I don't think if they have Russ, uh, I mean there's some other quarterbacks in the league that maybe could do the same damage with the Seahawks, but I, I think if you eliminate Russ and put 90% of the league's quarter, have 95% of the league's quarterbacks in there, they don't have the same success. I mean the only yeah. ones that I think do are your elite ones um, that we all know about. Um, yeah. But once again, in order to in order for the Seahawks to have the same success, they have to replace an elite quarterback with an elite quarterback. And that's just, uh, that, that solidifies that Russ is that good. Um, yeah. and by elite, I mean, like, not even Lamar Jackson. I'm talking, like, Pat Mahomes. Um, maybe, no, not Big Ben, because the, the danger with Russ is he can move and throw in the run. Big Ben can't really move anymore. Um,
1: Pat Mahomes is really the only one that, that, right now that I would take over Russell Wilson. And even on Sunday, kind yeah. of like you talked about, Pat Mahomes has kind of come down to earth
0: as much as, as much as he can. Um, hey, he made that five hundred million dollars, and he was like, "I can chill out now." <laughs>
1: That's right. My boy got half a billion, got married,
0: expecting
1: a kid, and he was like, "I'm just gonna chill to the Super Bowl, and then I'll show up." I got my Super ring Bowl already.
0: Yeah. I don't even oh, got to. don't even got to spread about a ring again. <laughs> All right,
1: I'm not even worried about it right
0: now. So, yeah. yeah it, it's Russ's to lose. I mean, Cam may be able to put himself in the in the conversation, but he has – I mean, they're, they're, they're two and three. He's going to have to come storming back. Russ is yeah. going to have to cool down. Uh, there, there's too much ground to have to make up for, for Cam to, um, to realistically insert himself into that conversation. Um, all right. And to end things off tonight. As we previewed before, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Ryan he,
1: Fitzpatrick.
0: <laughs> is Ryan Fitzmagic Fitzpatrick a Hall of Famer? Could we make an argument for him to be a Hall of Famer? So back story, back to this. Don just texted me. Was this today or was this Yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday texted me yesterday and said, quick, without thinking, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Hall of Famer or not? And without thinking, I said, <laughs> I'm like, of course he's not a Hall of Famer. And then I believe at that point you asked, could we make an argument for it? And yeah. so I sat there and thought. That's what I said. I saw that he's in the NFL for 17 years. He's really only come on as of late in like 2015, but he has like 34,000. Um, touchdowns – no, no. no, if he had that many touchdowns, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, mm-hmm. th- 34,000 yards, 212 or something like that touchdowns, uh, like a, a sixty, a 61 or something percent completion rate. And when stacked up against other NFL quarterbacks who are in the Hall of Fame, he is ahead of a few of those in statistics-wise. They played fewer seasons but had more seasons as a starter. And so what got us thinking was if you were to account the type of quarterback that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, what he has become is an excellent mentor and an excellent um, placekeeper for franchise quarterbacks. Um, and with that in mind, plus he doesn't have bad statistics, can or should Ryan Fitzpatrick be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Um, I know I gave my point is, so I want to hear what Don to saying. Let's kind of talk it out. Let's see, does, can we get Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Hall?
1: So, he, um, I'm learning more and more about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was drafted in 2005. He, uh, he was a seventh-round pick, uh, pick number 250. Um, like you said, and you make a really good point, um, he's, Ryan Fitzpatrick has really come on strong over the past five years or so. Um, I'm trying to see if I can't pull up his stats for the past how many ever years. Um, so he was with St. Louis from 05 and 06. He played in Cincinnati from 07 to 08. Um, he didn't play at all really those first those first 4 years. Uh he played for Cincinnati. Um he started 12 games that year. Uh and then he was with Buffalo, Tennessee, Houston, the Jets, Tampa, Miami. Um I think like you said when people really started taking notice of him, I think it was probably 2015, 2016, 2015. Here it is with the Jets. He uh he played a full sixteen game season. He, they went ten and six. Uh he completed sixty percent of his passes, three thousand nine hundred and five yards, thirty one touchdowns and fifteen interceptions. Um so I don't know. To me and I think I said this to you, the reason I think that he would get in the Hall of Fame is based off of longevity. Like, you look at some of the same people that were taken around that same year. Uh, your Ben Roethlisberger was taken in 04. Phillip Rivers was taken in 04. Eli Manning was taken in 04. Um let's see. I'm trying to think of some other quarterbacks maybe taken around that, that, that time frame. But, uhm, e- Eli Manning's not even in the league anymore. And, you know, would you take Ryan Fitzpatrick or Phillip Rivers right now? I think you would take Ryan Fitzpatrick. Would you take Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ben Roethlisberger? I I don't think it's as much of a, you know, Ben Roethlisberger easy as somebody might think that it is. Um, And then there's no doubt you take him over Eli Manning. One, because Eli Manning, you know, he's not playing anymore, but even like, I think the Giants would have been a better team over the past couple of years as, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback than Eli Manning. Now, the reason that I bring up Eli Manning is because I feel like that's the quarterback that you would compare him to. And the, and it, it's a big deal, so I'm not saying that it's not. But the only reason that Eli Manning gets into the Hall of Fame is because he has two Super Bowl rings. And so I think, you know, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, I desperately want him to get a Super Bowl ring Because I believe, like, if Ryan Fitzpatrick had a Super Bowl ring, I don't think – I think without question they would put him into the Hall of Fame. But I think, you know, when I asked you that question, I don't remember if if I had seen it somewhere or if I was just thinking about it. But would you set – like, if somebody was to ask me about it, you know, they said, said, is Ryan Fitzpatrick a Hall of Famer without thinking about it, first thing that comes to to your mind? My answer is no. You know, like, no, he's not. But then I would they would say, Well, why not? And I would have to think, Well, why why wouldn't I put him in the Hall of Fame? Like you said, um, he's really he's you know, there were there were about ten years when he didn't really do anything. He's never really been a full time starter except for the past few years. He's always kind of been that quarterback that he's bounced around. Um you know, he's kind of always been like a placeholder for somebody else. Um but his stats are good. And he's been doing it for a while. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has probably another two to three years left in him where he could play at a at a pretty high level. Um so those would be my 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 case for Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Hall of Fame would be based off of longevity, um, the fact that he hasn't played as many games as some of the other guys, but he still has stats that are comparable to some of them. Um, that would be why I would put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, the reason that I probably wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame is one, he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. I don't think that he has too many playoff wins. Um and then three, you know, there was about six or seven years at the beginning of his career where he was just kind of MIA. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't think as many players were him in a case against him.
0: My main case against is the fact that there's only five years of what I think we can deem successful NFL career mm-hmm. um, that the Hall of Fame would go by. Uh, that's one of my cases against. Uh, another case against is that um, he's never won a ring, uh, which is one of those that, that people look at. Uh, another case against is I think he only has one season where he's the full time starter, and outside of that, um, he either gets hurt or he's just that placeholder. Um, those are my main cases against. My case is for is he does have good numbers. Uh, there's only two players I can think of, and they're both recent, who have been this same type of player. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we'll have several other ones as we go, but ones that have seen as much playtime, not your career backups like Blaine Gabbert who they can trust as the backup but never gets playtime, but like your actual – they step in and play whenever is him and Josh McCown. Yeah, yeah. And I would consider him a more successful Josh McCown. Um, yeah. Like Josh McCown gets put in when he needs to be put in. I know he started one season for the Browns. He had a few other starting uh, – started for a few other teams in his career. And I think he actually – had more success in the front half of his career than the back half, whereas Fitzpatrick has more, more success in the back half of his career than the front half. But both of them have been your tried-and-true backup quarterbacks who can step in and play, who are trusted to lead a team. Um, and so, therefore, um, I think if you look at those placeholder roles the, and, and see who came in in relief of him, really is telling of of how he is. Like, he started over Jameis and blew up, and then Jameis ended up throwing for what, what – I think that was the year he he was Mr. 30-30. Um, maybe it was the year before that. But uh, but he, he's been an incredible placeholder slash backup quarterback for years and has great statistics to show for it based on his limited play time. Um, I think you could make a case for it. I would like to see him – Win a Super Bowl. I was kind of hoping the Dolphins would give him the entire year because, yeah. um, because he's been playing so great. I think yeah. that he could have made a, a small little run for the playoffs. Um, and if they would have gotten in, then let Ryan Fitzpatrick go out on top because, and by on top, meaning in the playoffs making a start. Um, yeah. And then move on from him. Like he, he knew Tua was going to start eventually. Uh, right. if not this year, the next year. I think, like, he put out a statement that he was heartbroken. I think he expected to have this until his hand went cold, um,
1: right. which I
0: also expected to happen. I know I predicted right now, but I thought he would have went cold by now. They're 3-3. Three three. He's playing great football. I, w- I, I think, I wish they would have given him the entirety of the season. Let I have a full season of watching and growing under Fitzpatrick. And then he could have made uh made it to the playoffs and made a little name for himself maybe. Um, but I, I really do think we can make a case for it based on the numbers, based on his 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 small amount of 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 starts, um, and by small amount I mean like out of seventeen years, um, he didn't have seventeen years worth of starts. Um, and I yeah. think we could definitely make a case that Ryan Fitzpatrick go to the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, so um, I was just looking at um, you know, the quarterbacks that were taken in two thousand and the in two thousand and five. Um and here are the names, Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers. That's kind of not fair. That doesn't really help Ryan Fitzpatrick's case. <laughs> um but then Jason Campbell, Charlie Fry, Andrew Walter, David Green, Kyle Orton, Stefan LaForge, Dan Orlovsky, Adrian McPherson, Derek Anderson, James Killen, Matt Castle, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um I don't think Matt Castle's still playing. If he is, I don't know where he's playing at. But, you know, the only ones out of those that are still playing are Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers. Um And Aaron Rodgers, you know, could go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um And then Alex Smith, even – so Alex Smith got hurt, obviously, two years ago. Um But I feel like even at that time, you could still make the case that Ryan Fitzpatrick was a better quarterback at that Time in their career than Alex Smith was, um, and I don't know that Alex Smith is a, is a bona fide, you know, no brainer Hall of Famer. Um, and granted, he had an injury, but like even without the injury, I don't know that I, I don't. This this might sound crazy, but I feel like you could make an easier case for Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Hall of Fame than Alex Smith, and that's that's not factoring in the injury. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to the Hall of Fame, you know. Regardless, so you can't you can't compare those two. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I th- I don't. I'm a You made you made a lot of really good points, and I think I don't know. I think I think somebody could make the case for Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Hall of Fame. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you ever hear this, if I can call you Ryan, if we can be on a first name basis, Ryan, <laughs> I hope you make it into the Hall of Fame. You've got my support. I, I mean, I really do
0: believe. That um, I really do believe that if they between his stats, if if they because what he did like his statistics are not bad. He is a pre. He is a good uh, a TD to interception ratio. He has a good completion percentage. He has a good amount of of, of passing yards. Um, what you have to ignore. Is the 17 seasons in terms of those, those statistics. One would think, one would think that with 17 seasons, those would be much higher than they are. And you have to go full fledged into the type of player that, um, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is and his role in the NFL. I think his role in the NFL is, is what's important. And that he is maybe one of the best mentors to young quarterbacks, um, Hill and, and Josh McCown, um, that the, that the NFL has seen, um, and that really knows their role, doesn't have an ego, does, isn't a me player, and that he's almost uh, a, a leader in that. And it and it helps that he has good stats for the amount of time he has been able to play um, or start, and that when he does start. You can expect to get great play out of him. Um, so here we are. The Once Upon East 112 podcast is calling for Ryan Fitzpatrick to be in the Hall of Fame, um, and we will start that that petition now. And then until he retires, and then five years after his retirement, so he can be a first ballot Hall of Famer, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You go get that jacket. Go
1: get the jacket, Ryan. <laughs>
0: All right. There you have it, Uh, guys. Dizis and I both call for Ryan Fitzpatrick to be in the Hall of Fame. Let us know what you think. Um, Really think it through. Don't just go off of the fact that he doesn't have a ring and that he's not a starting quarterback. Like, think through the role of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and is there a place in the Hall of Fame for a guy of his caliber with that role? Um, I think when you break it down, you can convince yourself that, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a Hall of Famer, and he rightfully deserves to wear that golden jacket. Um, anything else for the people down at just- this?
1: That's it. Like Aaron said, I encourage you guys to really think about Ryan Fitzpatrick for the <laughs> Hall of Fame. I say this like we have a <laughs> like we have a choice in whether Ryan Fitzpatrick gets to the Hall of Fame. So we really do. Think about it. R- really put the pressure on the people who make those decisions for Ho- Ryan Fitzpatrick to make the Hall of Fame. That's all I got.
0: For oh yeah. All right. We will see you next week, hopefully with the Browns being 5 and 2 and the Falcons being 2 and 5. Uh, and we are out.